Today, we dive into how to pitch brands, ways to connect more with your fans, and how to create products they love. Next on Make and Bacon. Hey there, I'm Jason Logston, and this is Make and Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today's episode is brought to you by my very own self-publishing 101 course. And the average home cook owns almost 50 times more printed cookbooks than PDF cookbooks. So why are you limiting yourself? With the advent of print-on-demand companies like Amazon KDP and Ingram Spark, it's easier than ever to become your own publisher. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can waste not only your time, but also your money. After publishing 15 cookbooks, including a top 10 cookbook on Amazon, I know publishing, especially self-publishing, and I want to share my expertise with you. That's where my course comes in, stepping you through the entire self-publishing process so you can get your printed cookbook up for sale on Amazon without making any mistakes. You can check that out now at makethatbacon.com slash publish now. Now, on to the show. As bloggers, we often get so hung up on creating recipes that we forget we are writing them for real people. And at the most basic level, people turn to our recipes because of the connection we have with them. But how can we make that connection stronger and even use it to create products they love? Luckily, today's guest is the perfect person to help us out. She is a Dallas, Texas-based content creator. And since 2016, she's been sharing allergy-friendly recipes and tips for entertaining and traveling with dietary restrictions on TheUrbanLife.com. In 2019, she founded Blogger Bites, a blog dedicated to sharing transparent advice with fellow content creators. I can't wait to learn from today's guest, Jenna Urban from The Urban Life. Jenna, welcome to Making Bacon. Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. We overlap in a lot of areas from a food blogger perspective and helping food bloggers and I I think we have a lot to dive into, but before we do, I always like to start every episode with what is it like around your dinner table on a typical day? Ooh, what a fun question. So I should say our, we have a dinner table. We have a formal dinner table and a casual one, but we actually eat at the kitchen island. It's just me, my husband, and our dog, Barutus. Yeah, so we eat at the kitchen counter with our stools which is hilarious. I, every single night, I'm like, you know, we should probably sit at the table, just make it a little bit nicer. But no, we're, we're at the counter and we often have tacos, pizza. Those are like my two staples for sure. Anyone who follows me is always like, all right, Jenna, do you have any new recipes? Like let's steer away from tacos. And I'm like, some enchiladas. But yeah, that's that's pretty typical at the kitchen island eating tacos. We normally do our dinners on the couch, but our lunches are right here at our kitchen yes. counter. So we, we were there eating yes. two hours ago today, so I can relate to that. Yes, very similar concept right there. What's your favorite taco filling? Well, I have to have avocado on there. Let's just say avocado. Let's just keep it. But I, I really, let's just go all in. Come on. I am a food blogger after all. I would say my favorite, like recent one on repeat is black beans with roasted sweet potatoes and avocado crema and maybe some yogurt in place of sour cream. That sounds amazing. We were just planning our <laughs> weekly meals and we have sweet potatoes left over. So we might have to do some uh, sweet potato tacos there. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I love sweet potatoes so much. <laughs> it's one of my wife's favorite things. So I have grown into yes. making sweet potatoes. My mom still gets a kick out of it that growing up, she would make sweet potato casserole with marshmallows on top. And I would oh, totally. like scoop it out as, as like the steepest angle I could to like maximize my marshmallow to sweet potatoes. Oh, is this the topping? Yeah. Cause yeah. all I wanted was the marshmallows. I didn't like the sweet potatoes where now I'm cooking sweet potatoes and she's like, you've come a long way since you were a kid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> the marshmallows are still my favorite part of it, but you know, I do enjoy the sweet potatoes. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we met on clubhouse, which I love being a part of over the last, I guess, six months at this point, how have you been yeah. using that, especially to connect with other bloggers out there? Yeah. So. I honestly, I wish I could remember the exact day I got on Clubhouse. I feel like it was, I don't know. I honestly have no idea, but it has been a while. And I kind of, when I was first getting started, I was like, mm, I don't think I'm really going to be on this app too much. And then I remember I joined, I don't remember which exact food blog club it was, but I joined one and there was just a ton of food bloggers. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I've read your blog for years and years. Like now I'm just, you're my friend. We're just talking on Clubhouse. And so I think like one club became another and they just, I just started joining all the different clubs. I created my own uh, and that kind of is still growing. So I just kind of bop around different clubs and different rooms. It's been super fun. Um, I've met some really awesome bloggers and from our clubhouse chats, we've created like Instagram, like, like mastermind groups, like not quite to like a Facebook group status, but like we're all in the same chat and it's incredible just to kind of have that food blogger community where you can say like, Hey, like, do you hear about this like new plugin or what themes do you guys have? Who's your host or something as silly as just like. I don't know, just something random going on in like the food blogging world, right? That nobody, none of your other friends would like necessarily get, but you can send to these girls and we just totally relate and chat about. So yeah, it's been super fun. And I've met a lot of really cool people and I'm still like exploring the app and joining new rooms. So yeah, it's been fun for sure. Yeah, we met in the Megan Porter's Eat Blog Talk uh, room that she does weekly, and I help co-host with that whenever whenever I can. Because I always, I agree, I learn so much, and there's so many neat things that yeah. different approaches, people are doing different things, different tools I've never heard of. Like it's fantastic to jump into there and to just talk to people that are doing what I am doing, which it's hard to find people that do what we do on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, what's the club that you started so people know where they can find you on Clubhouse? Yeah, I, it is called Monetize Your Influence. And so like the name suggests, we talk about all the different ways that you can earn an income, being an influencer, content creator, blogger. And yeah, I think some of the best conversations have been about free tools for a content creator. We talked about web stories very recently. We've talked about paid tools that are like useful. Me and another food blogger, Lauren, I think you're familiar with Lauren. We both are like, we're, we're willing to spend money, but it has to be worth it. 
Um, and so we always have really awesome conversation conversations. Yeah, they're always fun. And it's it's funny. Sometimes like when I'm hosting a room, I'll almost have like an outline <laughs> that we try to follow. And it's like very educational. And I'm like taking notes and questions to tr then turn into a blog post afterwards. But yeah, I was chatting with Megan last Friday and I actually was like, you know what? I'm going to take a more casual approach this week. And I like went on my patio with my coffee and it was still super insightful and educational, fun room. But, you know, I wasn't docked at my computer, like meticulously taking notes. So yeah, a diff you have to figure out like which vibe do you want, but I love it. I do love it so much. <laughs> You mentioned free tools that content creators need to know about. What are some tools that you would recommend people checking out? Yeah. Okay, so off the top of my head, so I'm recently, very recently, getting into YouTube. And my absolute, I have, this is first thing, is DaVinci Resolve for video editing. I was using iMovie, and I was just banging my head <laughs> every time I needed to edit something. Um, and so I was like, all right, do I need to invest in Final Cut Pro or Premiere, Premiere Pro or something like that? And then I found DaVinci Resolve and they have a free version. It, I will never even know all of the different options and tools I have in there, but it is great. I, I really love that. For organizing, I'm obsessed with Trello. Mm -hmm. I use the desktop version and my phone app. What are some others? I actually really do love Photoshop, but I know that there's a time and a place for Canva. <laughs> so obviously Canva is probably like number one in the blogging world for free tools. But yeah, there's there's a lot of really good ones. And some that like I, I've heard of, or I may have heard of a few years ago, like the accounting app Wave, Waze. I think it's Wave. That sounds right. Um, <laughs> I think Waze yeah, is the, the traffic app that's free. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not that one. Yeah, Wave, I guess, is kind of like a competitor maybe for QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. And I use QuickBooks, but I know a lot of bloggers are starting to use Wave again because it has similar capabilities and integration. So I am very happy with QuickBooks though. So I don't know if I will make that switch, but... It's nice to know there's an option <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you never know when a product will take a downward turn. I feel like we've all run into that, that a favorite product like upgrades yes. to something and you're like, this is not what I yes. need anymore. Exactly. I feel like I did that with Photoshop some that I was, I still like it for certain things, but I was definitely, yeah. I was like, why would I use Canva when I understand Photoshop and know that? And then the first time I used it, I was like, oh, cause I can do this in like, <laughs> a tenth of the time for a lot of things. I know. It's so fun. I really do bounce back and forth. It, I think it really depends what I'm trying to do, like what the goal is with whatever I'm working on. Um, but yeah, I learned Photoshop in college. It was actually like one of my courses. <laughs> and so like, I like, I mean, I'm not like a pro at it um, by any means, but I'm definitely comfortable in it. But I totally hear what you're saying with Canva. Like, it's so easy just to, like, drag and drop. There's nice little lines and bumpers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it is useful. 
You had mentioned web stories. I would love to dive a little more into that. That's something I've explored. I have a guide on web stories that people can yeah. check out if they're interested. What's been right. your experience using web stories and how they kind of fit into your, your overall blogging strategy? Well, I am a big fan of Google web stories. I started using them in November, 2020. So um, kind of right when they were, I don't know if it was like when they were rolling out, but it was certainly when they were like, kind of fresh on the scene. Not everyone knew about them yet. I feel like everyone has heard about them by now or trickles. Like, what is this new Google story thing? What is it? So yeah, I started using it, I feel like pretty early on. And so I use both the WordPress plugin to create them, but I also use jump rope mm -hmm. to create them as well. But I've been loving them especially the um so i brought up canva are you do you use the the wordpress plugin i to make don't web stories? i'm actually not on wordpress so i have a, a okay. whole random custom content editor set up so i i actually Ooh, program the web okay. stories by hand but oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> but feel free both wow i'm the only one i think in my audience that isn't on wordpress so please talk about the wordpress editor okay. as well <laughs> yeah 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 so it's definitely, even in the past, how many ever months it's been, there's been like a lot of really significant updates to it. And so if you were one of the people who kind of experimented back in like November, December, it's the same experience. It's just a little less clunky, I would say. But my biggest tip is if you are on WordPress and you want to use web stories, obviously get the plugin and then create a template that you love and even better, if it's one that gets picked up in Google Discover, kind of just replicate that and then drag and drop in your media. I know that they definitely have, I don't know how many exactly pre-made templates, maybe like seven or so pre-made templates. But I found if you just create your own template and I was bringing up Canva because it's kind of a similar dashboard with your media library on one side and you kind of have your workspace in the center and you can just kind of the media that you have on in your WordPress media library, it just automatically loads right there. So you can, like, you already have a video clip. If you have that image, you can just drag and drop it in there. But you can also use, they, I know they have different partnerships with like Unsplash or Upsplash mm -hmm. and a few other like things for GIFs and videos and whatnot. So they're like, they're listening to the feedback that the creators have. And I think they're really taking a lot of stuff into account, especially now there's a way to monetize them through AdSense. So yeah, I'd be happy. I mean, we can, I could literally, I don't, I just kind of like went in head first, but yeah, I love, I love web stories and kind of explaining like why they're so powerful. I mentioned Google discover. It's so exciting. Like I, I totally nerd out with my like Google analytics and like watching like AdSense and Google web search console. Like just seeing like, you know, like what, what is resonating with my audience? Am I reaching a new audience? And what, how am I reaching that new audience? Like what content that is? And that's super cool with web stories. 
because you can get picked up on Google Discover and reach an entirely new audience that, you know, they may not have found my blog as quickly or as easily if I wasn't picked up on Discover. And so it's just really cool to have this carousel of stories that then people can click through and they don't expire, <laughs> which is like the best thing. So something, something I posted months ago could still tech, I mean, in theory, it could get picked up today or tomorrow. And then those people could, the users could click through it on discover. And then I could add the, I'd call it the swipe up similar to like Instagram swipe up, direct those users to my blog. And then I potentially could have a new blog reader. They might sign up on my subscriber list. And so that's why I think it's so cool and important for people to, you just have to figure out like, does it work into your content strategy? What are your goals with it? I think if driving traffic and trying to reach a new audience, if those are some of your goals and like, definitely try it out. Um, I'd love to hear your experience as well. I've done probably five or eight of them and some of them have taken off not relative to some people I know who have got like 50,000 new visitors yeah. overnight. But it's been interesting to kind of experiment with it and see how it fits in. And that's one of my goals right. over the next like three to four months is to put out a bunch because they do, you know, they don't expire, like you said. Yeah. Um, you had so much good stuff there that I'd like to unpack. You talked, <laughs> Let's do it. You talked about, you know, not expiring, I think is a huge deal for us content creators. It's a frustration with Instagram or anything that you put time and energy into putting out content that goes away right away. Have you found much, yeah. like much old web stories getting traction or do they still bring in smaller amounts of traffic? How is your kind of looking at a historical view of you doing this for a yeah. while? What, what does it kind of look like? So I will definitely say where I've seen like the big spikes, like thousands of new users coming in, that seems to happen. So, I mean, a recent example is I, I did one on, let's say I published, I published one on Friday and then I noticed like the steep increase on Monday. There was some on Tuesday and then this was last week and there was like trickles Wednesday, but I will say there was one and that was, it was interesting. That one was just like a very random recipe. It like wasn't seasonal at all. It was dairy-free chocolate chip overnight oats. So it was just very like, you could have it in spring, summer, winter, whatever. So that was something I thought was interesting. And then a few days ago, so today's Wednesday. So it would have been Monday. I think I noticed that my corn fritters were randomly getting some views and click throughs. And that I, that was like one of my very first web stories that I published. And so, yeah, I don't, I have no idea how things get pulled. I have, I really have no idea about that, but yeah, I'm trying to even think how many I might have, I have made on the plugin. Because, so like I said, I use Jump Rope and the WordPress plugin. I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly on page two. <laughs> if you go to like my, like theurbanlife.com slash web dash stories. So I don't know, maybe like 20. 
I don't know, some, somewhere around there. It's nice um, to see that they still get some traffic in over time as well, that every once in a while older yeah. ones might get picked up again and kind of recycled through the Google Discover ecosystem. Yeah, and I think another thing that's interesting too is, so for food bloggers, especially, you know, the the first thing that, you know, might come to mind is which which recipes are my most popular, like my top 10 most popular recipes, or take that into account and then also maybe consider which ones have little video clips or the process photos that you can do. Some, another opportunity I think that we have, and so because I am dairy-free and egg-free, I know egg substitutes, non-dairy alternatives, things like that, those type of topics that kind of complement your content, that's another awesome opportunity too to try to explore. The the one that I did, I think it was like the eight best, most common, or what was it? Like the best common egg replacers. Like what are they and why do I love them? Why are they the best? That one got picked up. It wasn't huge like the overnight oat one. That one has definitely been the best. But... Yeah, I, I think I also did some travel ones as well and kind of tied in like allergy friendly eating while traveling. So I think there's a lot of opportunities um, to kind of play with the content and see like what compliments and what people resonate with, really. About how long is are most of your web stories? I try to have them at least eight pages. And I do that because I want ads basically to be able to be inserted into the web stories and i've heard from i don't know if this is true or not but i've heard that kind of like around eight slides seven to eight slides is where that they where they could kind of insert an ad so that's what i've been experimenting with i also think it's it's the most important thing when you're creating a web story to tell a full story and so I kind of approach it like the first slide might be like an intro to what the recipe is, explaining just like like, like a very like keyword type heavy, like dairy free overnight oats are blah, blah, blah. And then I will go into like a review. If, if someone has left me a review, like these are the best ever, then I'll kind of slide that in there. And so that's two pages and then and, and including the like a cover photo, I guess, on like the first page. And then I'll do like an ingredient list, maybe, depending on if it's like, I kind of bop around. I, I like experiment with, do I, do I do the ingredient list first or do I just include it in the little sentence? But then I really go into like step one, two, three, four. So that definitely helps kind of build it out while being easy to digest, but also like, like clickable, but you also are getting a full story. And then I've also experimented with at the end doing kind of a quick Q and a, or like an FAQ and say, like, say that I used, I don't know, like some obscure ingredient or like something that maybe isn't the most common. I might explain like, this is what it is. And here's some other recipes you can use it in. Or if I use like my favorite store-bought egg replacer, I will put an affiliate link for it in there. So yeah, I think that there's there's definitely ways to make longer web stories with it still being interesting 
and not like, oh my gosh, I'm scrolling for, or I'm tapping along forever. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's something that a lot of people, it's kind of like Instagram stories that if it's an interesting story, you'll keep tapping through. Like it's, yeah, it's rarer to get stuck in on one with someone that you follow and like, I'm bored of this. Like if they're, if right. you follow them, you generally like them. Yeah. So you put together stories that are at least eight to 10 uh, pages long. And then how do you capture that traffic? You had talked about doing the swipe up. Do you do that on every page or do you try to get more ads in there? What's kind of a good mix that you found for kind of maximizing that traffic that might find these stories? Yeah. So, so I kind of mentioned how my first one or two slides are kind of like a intro to the recipe or maybe a review or feedback. So I won't include like the swipe up or page attachment is what they call it. Um, I won't include that link on those. I'll, I'll start to include it when, once I get to like the process. So like step one, like pour dairy free milk into a bowl or, you know, whatever, whatever step one is. Um, and I will do the, the link. I'll do that like through all the steps. And then sometimes I will incorporate affiliate links at the end. For a while there, I was, I had like just one big end call to action page with actually it was like a series. It was like, I, so I don't do this anymore. I'll tell you what I do now, which I think is better, <laughs> but it would be like the, so you have the recipe and then maybe I did like a slide of FAQ. And then I would say like, want the full recipe swipe up. And then it'd be a new card and say like, want to, want to join my private exclusive Facebook group, swipe up. And then a new card <laughs> and say, I don't even know, like check out the video on YouTube, swipe up. And then I would have the final card and it would say more stories and it would have like four, maybe four other stories that kind of related. And I really liked how that looked and I thought it was cool because I was getting, you know, I was really doing all the call to action. Um, but I realized that those didn't really convert. The ones that converted were what, it, it was just, it was just too much, you know, probably. I know for me as a user, when I have too many options, I'm just like, oh, never mind, like next. So now I, um, I still do the page attachment swipe up throughout the steps, throughout the directions. And then I really have one page and it's like, do you want the full recipe? Like click here. Do you want the video, which I don't always have a video for it, but if I do have a YouTube video for it, here's the video. And then I'll say, click here to join my email list and get my free dairy free egg free quick start guide. And I found that like, really, I don't get a ton of like the YouTube clicks or the subscriber clicks, but the ones straight to the recipe, those are like, but that's where I really see where the new users are coming and how I'm driving them. So I think that's like the most valuable probably, but I mean, I certainly want anyone who comes across it to know like, Hey, like I, I do have this video. It is a full blog post. I think that's the most important is like, this is a full blog post. Even though I included the full recipe in the web story, like, you're probably not going to make it right then when you're tapping through. Um, so to say like, 
I think it was Lauren actually who suggested saying like having a call to action that said something went something like for the full printable printable recipe swipe up and I thought that was interesting because it, it even if you weren't gonna print it out you that that still triggers like oh I can I can grab this and like have this full hard copy recipe right here so I haven't tinkered with that but yeah there's a I'm always experimenting with like which call to actions like convert the best and yeah, I, I do think including the swipe up page attachment throughout the steps is helpful, especially because if you get to like step two and you're like, just give me the full recipe, <laughs> especially once you get into like substitutions and like alternatives and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my strategy currently. <laughs> it seems like that would make sense too, that I think, you know, knowing your audience and what social media they're currently using, you know, like when they find a web story, they're probably, you know, not searching for something specific. A lot of times using Google discover, right. they're clicking around. They're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then if they start getting into it, they'd be more likely to, you know, not necessarily watch like a, a full YouTube video, but be like, I want to make yeah. this, I want to save this for later. And like, give me the link to the recipe and I'll, you know, save that or email that to myself or whatever. So I can hit it later. Right. Yeah, totally. And I like having the swipe up on every page that it's, you don't know when it's going <laughs> to click for someone, like give them the option. Don't make them, I saw a link somewhere. Let me click around yes. here to see where it actually is. Make it easy for them. Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. 100%. Yes. I think it's Casey Marquis that always says, you know, treat your audience like two-year-olds or drunk people that you just want to make it as, oh, I love that. as simple as possible. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> Speaking of connecting with drunk people. We, you do a lot with like Facebook groups and I feel like a lot of people on oh, Facebook yeah. can act like the, the wrong sort of drunk people, but yeah. I know you're a big proponent of using Facebook groups to connect with your audience, to kind of grow your network. Can you talk a little bit about how you got into using Facebook groups? Yeah, absolutely. So before we got on this call, I was going to look and see how many groups I'm a part of. I did not get around to it, but honestly. I'm like probably in over a hundred Facebook groups. <laughs> like I'm in a lot of groups and you know, I don't check or monitor all of them, but I'm in a lot and I always have been, or maybe not always, but ever since college, I feel like, like the amount of groups I've been in, like I joined a lot, I guess that was when I was in college. So like a different communities there, different groups and clubs. And then when I graduated, it was kind of more like professional networking groups that I joined. And then when I started blogging and doing freelance marketing and stuff like that, it, I kind of got into groups like that. And when I, I think I was really lucky when I first started food blogging or blogging in general in 2016, for whatever reason, I mean, because I was already using Facebook groups, that's why my first instinct was like, there's going to be a Facebook group for it. Right. And I think back then there's certain, there definitely, there was a lot, but I feel like a lot of them that I joined were for like virtual assistants and more like freelance type gigs, less blogging focused. And then I don't know, starting maybe like 
2018, probably. That's when I just noticed like a boom of influencer, content creator, blogger group. And that's really when I, my, my already large <laughs> Facebook group list just exploded. But yeah, so, so I was lucky to when I was kind of first like, okay, I'm going to start a blog. Where do I start? I joined a bunch of Facebook groups and then that kind of got my mind going like, hmm, okay. So I started my dairy-free, egg-free food blog in 2016. Maybe I should have a Facebook group for dairy-free and egg-free recipes. And I actually didn't start that group though until 2017. And I don't know why. I don't like... I was, I was, I was looking back at like the dates that everything started happening and ramping up and I have no idea why I waited a year to start that recipe group. But yeah, my dairy free and egg free Facebook group, it's just like it sounds recipes. You can connect with me personally for, if you need a recipe request, a product like suggestion or recommendation. If you're traveling somewhere, what are the best restaurants? Where where have you found the best dairy-free anything <laughs> while traveling? It's a really awesome community. And I think 2018 was like the pivotal year where I realized like, okay, my Facebook group has like really grown. It's larger than my email list. At that point, it was like way larger than my Instagram following. And I was like, maybe I should like, you know, put some strategy behind this, like <laughs> actually consider like, what, what can I do with this community? And to be honest, like I, I really still don't have like a, a strong strategy, I guess, with the group at, at the end of the day, it's, it's really just a group of direct people in my community. You need dairy free and egg free recipes and products suggestions and it's just a really kind, open community. And it's it's really awesome. In the past couple of years, like the the members themselves, like have also they also find that community. So I don't have to constantly be in there giving the recommendations or sharing the recipes. Someone can ask something and I'll approve it. And then there's like 50 people helping this, you know, grandma who needs help with baking a dairy-free chocolate cake for her grandson or whatever. Super cool to see. And so that's kind of like one side of it. Like I certainly use it to kind of drive traffic to my blog, products I sell, just in, but really ultimately just like create like a, a, a safe space um, for people who are new to eliminating stuff from their diets. Because I remember how hard it was and I had, I mean, I had like my, like, you know, support system, like my family and my friends, right? But people who don't, who have to cut out dairy, like it's, it's they're kind of like a whole new world. Like, what do I do? What do I eat? So just having that community, that's like, that's like the strategy <laughs> for that. And just having a very kind, welcoming community than to direct the traffic to like, oh, I have a blog post for this cupcake recipe. That's a very common request. Cupcakes and cakes. Very common. Not surprising uh, at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So that's kind of like 
the the one way that I use Facebook groups and that's how I that was like where I was like oh my gosh this is so great like I love this community is the best (laughs) like the best honestly and then in that same time period 2018 I was like I said I was in a ton of groups and I I was specifically in a bunch of these subgroups for this popular pop culture podcast and they there's just like hundreds honestly of these different groups for do you live in Dallas are you in marketing do you have a dog (laughs) like are you on Weight Watchers like so hyper specific so naturally I had to join all of them (laughs) and one of them was are you a blogger and I don't remember what the name was back uh, in 2018. It has since been rebranded. But what's the um, name of it? Actually, um, the the group now is called. I literally just rebranded it a few days ago. It is Content Creators Corner, and it's really meant to be a community for content creators, (laughs) influencers, and bloggers. Like very inclusive. If you're a YouTuber, if you're a TikToker, if you just have a blog, or if you are only on Instagram, like if you're a content creator and you want to join a community, this, this can be that for you for obviously community, but to seek advice and, you know, just, just really like an all encompassing type community. So it's not like, I know back when I first started blogging, there were a lot of groups that were like every Monday uh, or like every day, like there was like threads to like draw like a link, kind of like a, like an engagement pod. It's not like that at all. We will have kind of like a, like a show it off type thing, like show us your new sponsored posts. But it is certainly the goal is just like support really at the end of the day. And I was actually, I I mentioned, I was looking at the times and kind of how all of this came together (laughs) in the past couple of years. And that group was founded three years ago. Next week, it'll be three years. And up until like last month, or I don't know, I mean, very recently, it was a private or it was a secret group. And so you could only get into the group if you knew someone in there like if I shared it or something, it was like, because, because it had started from like a, a, a different community. And so it was like kind of on lockdown. Right. But we realized we were like, well, like let's, let's open it up. So it's still a private group. So your friends can't like, don't see you posting in there. They don't get the notification, but now to join, anyone can join. I think there's, we have membership questions and it's all it is, is like, drop your URL. (laughs) Like where, where can we find you? Just to make sure like you are actually a content creator. But I mean, but it's also like, there's also like, it's like optional, like haven't started yet. Like, what do you want to do? How can we help you? And that's helpful there. It's me and one other girl who are the like, co-moderators and she's the one who started it but once I kind of was like oh my gosh we have like this is gold like so many content creators coming together and what's great is it's not just food bloggers it's lifestyle fashion 
travel, even like super niche ones too. And so that's why I got like so invested in this group because it was just, it was very refreshing, like the same or similar struggles that, you know, a food content creator might have. And even, so let's say, so me, so I consider myself, I'm a micro influencer or content creator in the food space. The struggles I have are the same struggles that a fitness content creator who has like 40K followers. Like we have like similar struggles that we can talk about and kind of navigate together. And so once I realized that it was like, it was kind of like a mind blowing experience, honestly, because I was like, wow, like I love talking about this stuff. I have this group of awesome creators who like, you know, someone has a question and we all have different perspectives and we can all try to navigate and figure it out together. And so, yeah, that group was pretty monumental. And so up until then I had the urban life, my food blog. And then once I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I actually love talking about content creating and how you can earn an income from it. And how you can pitch brands directly and get these long-term partnerships. And even, even you know, talking about web stories, just something that's fun, but could also direct traffic to your blog. I love talking about all these different things. And so that's why I created Blogger Bites to really start sharing those resources. And it, I probably, I mean, I don't even know if I really would have taken that step to create blogger bites if it wasn't really for the support from that facebook group it certainly would have taken me longer because what i found was somebody would ask a question let's just let's go with the pitching brands question because that's like by far my most commonly asked question how do you work with brands jenna like then, you know, they don't mean it rudely, but they're like, you're small. Like, how do you get these partnerships? And I'm like, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> but so I, you know, I was getting that question daily, multiple times a day. And I was like, okay, I can't keep writing out the same exact thing every single time. And so I decided, let's write a blog post about it. I'll start to finish. Here's exactly what I do. Here's what I did in the past to set myself up and position myself this way. Here's how I pitch them. Here's how I follow up. Here's how I report and gain that next partnership. So I was making this blog post and it was like a novel. I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be a blog post. No way. And so that's when I realized, okay, wait a second. I'm going to make this into an ebook, but on Blogger Byte, I still want to have these quick, digestible, value-packed blog posts that when I do get a question like, hey, what's a YouTube short? How did you drive all that traffic with a short? Then I can say, hmm, here's a blog post for you. And so that's that's really how Blogger Bytes was like founded, I guess, and kind of laid the foundation for now all these other products I have free and paid. So it's been incredible to think like, that really just came from a Facebook group. That's crazy. <laughs> I think that's a great way to figure out both uh, freebies and products and blog posts. Like I use my exploring sous vide group all the time and see like, you know, what are people asking time and time again? 
And that's stuff that's not yes. out there covered. It, like you said, it makes a great blog post. It makes great lead magnets. It makes great, you know, paid products. Like that's a great way. If you're yeah. solving problems that people keep asking about, like people are willing to pay money a lot of times to get that information if you solve it in a great way. And if not, they're right. at least willing to sign up for a mailing list and stuff. It's a fantastic source of, you know, material for your blog and to potentially make money from. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of like digital products and stuff like making money in general, what do you think is a good like first place for bloggers that want to kind of or content creators that want to move on from ad networks alone and start bringing in another source of income? What do you think they should start exploring? Oh, yeah. Well, I am a huge fan of digital products. I, I know that you also, I mean, from your intro, uh, I learned a lot about creating like self, like self publishing and doing stuff like that. That's something I haven't explored, but I think we're going to have to chat about <laughs> very soon. But yeah, so I started my, my first kind of like dipping my toe into the water of digital products was my freebie for my food blog, my dairy free food blog. And it was, I put together like, 10 maybe recipes and they were existing recipes that you can find on the blog, but it was really, and they weren't even necessarily like the top recipes. They were just like, I believe these are the recipes that if, if you're signing up for a dairy free food blog, you're probably new to dairy free eating. So you probably want these like common or classic traditional meals. And so that guide I created probably in 2016 or 2017, it just got a facelift like <laughs> last year, I think. But honestly, I mean, it, it wasn't, I don't think it was like bad by any means, but that was kind of, so that's my freebie. And so that was my first kind of intro into creating digital products. And I, I know that you can create it in Canva. You can create them in Photoshop for sure. I created mine in Google Docs and um, like, it, yeah, it, people are always like, really? Like, didn't you want to use something like fancier? And I'm like, I got the job done. So like, I, I'm okay with it right now. No one's complained. I love that um, phrase. It got the job done. Like that's, <laughs> we forget that so much that it is like, I was talking to someone and they were asking about their, that they tend to get like two perfectionist when they're coming with their food photography and like, how, how do I get yeah. around that? And if I had tips and what I said was that for me, I try to remember what am I trying to accomplish? And once right. I've accomplished that, like it's done, like it's, could it, could the photo be better? Yes. Could your course be yeah. better? Yes. But if it's accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish with it, then it's done. It's doing it. So move on to the next yep. thing. Like don't spend another 20 hours trying to make something slightly better when it's already doing what it's supposed to do. Spend that yeah. 20 hours doing something else that's going to also contribute to your blog. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was exactly my mindset. I was like, you know, no, it's not like the flashiest thing, but for this one, this is a free, this is a free thing. Like just a thank you for signing up for my subscriber list here you go. Here's an intro to me, what the blog is about. And here's some recipes. That's it. Now, now you're on my email list and you'll see my new content. So yeah, so that I created in Word doc or Google docs, exported it as a PDF, figured out how to, you know, get it automatically sent to subscribers when they sign up. 
And so naturally when it came to like, hmm, I think I want to do a holiday cookbook, dairy-free classic, that actually turned into accidentally vegan holiday <laughs> classic recipes. But when I, when it came time and I was like, Ooh, I think I want to do that. I just, I did the same thing. I just, you know, I, I had a little intro. So like maybe like a paragraph or two just written out in Google docs. And I think that one has 30 recipes and it's a mix between exclusive and ones that are already on my blog. And I did it in Google docs. I exported it as a PDF and I currently use gum road to sell my, well, all of my eBooks and digital products. I started on gum road. I use gum road. It's incredibly simple to like the process. Like I've, I've explained it a few times on clubhouse and people are always shocked. Like that's it. That's all you did. And it's like, yes, you can do it too. Like literally in a weekend, you just have to know what do you, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to share? What, what do you like, you know, your audience better than anyone. So what's going to get them to click by now and what's going to convert. And so, yeah, like, I mean, so I have my, my accidentally vegan dairy free and egg free holiday cookbook. I recently released a, another one, just like all encompassing dairy free, egg free classic recipes. That one has 40 recipes and they are all exclusive. And so might have to talk to you about doing a self-publishing type thing there to get that physical copy. That would be pretty cool. And so those are the two I have for the urban life for my food blog. For blogger bites, I have a very similar process with um, how I create them. I create so I have a ultimate guide to pitching brands, which has a pitch template. It has different just like samples for following up. It has past experiences from brands I've worked with. It's like very, it also, it also includes how to set yourself up for success and positioning yourself when you, before you even start the pitching process. So that's my first one. And that is that that's just the ultimate guide to pitching brands. And it's just a simple PDF document that I very lightly stylized, very lightly. And it's really, it's just like a quick start guide, really. And it's like just very conversational. And I created it in Google Doc, export it as PDF, upload to Gumroad. And that's that. And then I have another one. I have some templates, media kit and rate sheet template that, and I also have like a, a coordinating guide to kind of go along with that. Again, I created in Google docs, the media kit and rate sheet templates are in Photoshop. So that's, you know, that's different. <laughs> um, but I mean, same process, just writing out like, what is a media kit? Why is it important? What other things can you include? And then the last one, my most recent is the easy to understand influencer agreement so that you can feel confident when signing contracts. And so similar, I did the whole thing in Google docs. It 
is so it's a, another like quick start guide that talks about like common terms you'll find in a contract, common things you can negotiate or counter offer, and really kind of going kind of in depth with these different terms because I mean that was something that when I started getting contracts, I was like, wait a second, I don't think I want to sign my life away. <laughs> like, hang on. So I think it's very important to kind of have that. And I am not a lawyer, P.S. So I definitely make that disclaimer there. But yeah, and then I have the like an editable, an edible, ed- not edible, editable. <laughs> not edible. The show just took a little <laughs> turn there with. Nope, I don't sell that. Nope. <laughs> um, uh, it's dairy free, right? It's fine. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, maybe I can make a new product, my first physical product. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's been fun. And I sell those on Gumroad too. And I think that just like what you were saying, like, you know, your audience. And when you're getting the same question over and over again, that's kind of a signal like, Yes, we can certainly make this a blog post and probably should make it a blog post or coordinate to a blog post. But if it's something that's high value, you can turn that in to a product and, you know, determine your rate and, or your price for it and kind of build up like a little shop. And I mean, I think there's so many different directions that content creators can go. So I was mentioning Gumroad. I love Gumroad. It is so simple to upload the payment. I've never had any issues with that. I think it's really awesome. Literally yesterday, I got my, the Blogger Bytes content, I uploaded to Etsy. And so now I'm also kind of experimenting with Etsy and selling digital products there. So I don't have any insight yet but i'm curious how it will kind of how they'll perform because i think when you know if let's say i'm a blogger who needs an influencer agreement if i'm going to etsy and i'm typing in content creator or influencer engage or sorry influencer contract or agreement and it pops up yeah okay i got it i'm gonna buy it right there that certainly there there is that function on Gumroad, but it's it's not. I don't think it's built out necessarily as great as Etsy's. Um, I think the people who are searching on Etsy, it's like I'm I'm ready. I need this right now. I want to buy it. I want to use it. Let's go. So more where I think what Gumroad does really well is it it create. I, I was able to create a really nice kind of professional looking shop with my products that I can direct people to kind of like a landing page. It makes a very nice landing page, I would say. So yeah, I think if, if you're a food blogger, you know, there's so many different options you could go down with digital products, like, you know, grocery list checklist or meal plans, certainly recipe eBooks. Like there's so many different different ways you could go and i think that if you want to kind of create a nice another nice passive income stream in addition to ads or maybe not having to always rely on pitching brands and doing a certain certain number of brands every single month 
it's really it's really awesome uh feeling when you have digital products and like the passive income is coming in like you you did that hard work up front and now you know you can be focusing on the other other things that you want to be focusing on while still earning that passive income i think it's it's a really awesome feeling i highly suggest that to content creators who are interested yeah passive income is amazing to be sitting yeah. on the beach and you know seeing sales come in it's a it's a great feeling oh and i love the approach of you know I'm a big proponent of this too. It's like finding what your fans' problems are and then start solving them kind of broadly, like very generally. And those yeah. like make very good blog posts. And then which, which of those blog posts are resonating with people? What recipes are resonating? And are there aspects you can dive into more deeply? And yeah. the next like iteration might be a lead magnet, you know, or a free course to kind of build up your newsletter. And then which one of those are resonating? And spend a little more time on the one or two of those that are really, you know, connecting with your specific fans. And then are there paid products you can put out there that complement those? And you already have like a sales funnel built because you have right. the blog posts, you have the lead magnets, and now you have something to offer them at the end of it. And it's a great way to kind of step your way through that process without being like, I'm going to take six months and write a book, <laughs> you know, and hopefully people right. buy it. We'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, it, it's funny how, like, yeah, I just kind of like stumbled into <laughs> creating these different digital products. But yeah, that's certainly the approach I'm taking. Like, when, when I'm, when I'm getting the same question over and over again, that's like, a big signal. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, let's make some content with that. <laughs> Well, Janet, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise and talking about all the amazing things that you've been up to. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and sharing that with, with my audience. Yeah, absolutely. I could talk about this for hours <laughs> and hours on end. So thank you so much for inviting me. This was so much fun. I, I would love to dive deeper into these either maybe in another episode or on Clubhouse, Instagram Live, wherever I'm. I love experimenting with all the platforms. So yeah, this was fun for sure. I'm sure we can make that happen. And for the listeners that are interested in more about you, they can go to theurbanlife.com. They can go to Blogger Bites. They can find you on Facebook. They can find you on Clubhouse. They can find you all of the places where you are. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> you're talking about all the dairy-free food, talking about all the resources for content creators and helping everyone move their blogs and their, their diets <laughs> forward. So I really yeah. appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Making Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Till next time, I'm Jason Longston.